everybody. Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. While we may be a week late, it's all good. Uh, we had some Easter travels to take care of. I believe, Crofton, you were packing uh, while we w- would have been recording. But uh, uh, but anyways, I'm your host, Ryan, this week. As I mentioned, Crofton is here. He is no longer packing to uh, to go on, on Easter trails. Do you have a bunch of candy laying around the house like we do? Uh, I mean, we're making our way through it, Ryan. We are making our way through it in short order. Uh, yeah, no, we went uh, we went away for Easter, and yeah, it feels like it feels like it's been busy lately. A lot of things going on. I know we're we're a little late on getting an episode out, but that's sort of our our way of things, Ryan. Yeah, no, the schedule is always in flux, as is life with everything going on and uh, lots to talk about this week but i wanted to kick things off with a very small croft inside a core what about what's his um, name um uh, crofton? Cro- crofton he's got something so crofton uh this one has really nothing to do with you i just wanted to play the bumper but uh i'm gonna play this what? And then, yeah i know it's it's fine I, so we're is... just playing clips from another podcast now <laughs> it doesn't even have anything to do with me has nothing to do with you but you're going to hate this. It has something to do with someone else. Listen to this. You have to beat the game twice before you even see that. So. Oh, you beat the game twice. Is that is that so in Resident Evil 2, if I beat it, you are saying I can beat it once, not twice. Yeah, you no, right, John, Ryan, John misspoke. <laughs> Ryan. So, there you go. Ah! I knew <laughs> I knew it was you. I it's knew so it funny cuz uh we are I think by just sheer osmosis we are infecting that podcast and uh uh Bo was probably thinking of something silly crofton did and then he thought about me pulling clips and then he said ryan so that's for sure what it is yeah so now we have this ryan john misspoke <laughs> ryan so there you go <laughs> <laughs> ryan uh yeah no that's good yeah so that's what i got in more somber news, I might be going on strike because I'm tired of your bullshit, Ryan. Hey, I don't blame you. Honestly, uh, you, hey. No, I've been nothing but good to you, man. You can't go on strike. I, I got, I wore my own Dungeon and Diapers union and I'm walking out. It's a union <laughs> of one. Um, and the production team. Uh, I'm the production team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Although right. I, you come up with the titles and you write the descriptions. So um, I right. guess I'll have to do that it's myself. It's a writer's or, strike. The writer's um, strike. Yeah. Oh, man. The writing's going to go way downhill for the podcast. <laughs> So, uh, so, so in all seriousness, like, so I've had a bunch of career developments lately. I started a new job two weeks ago. Um, and uh, I was like, you know what? This job's not working out. I'm going on strike. No, uh, I, I work uh, for the Canadian government. There's a lot of different jobs and stuff like that. And our union is, is represents thousands of thousands of workers. And for the first time since in my career, it looks like we're heading to strike action. And uh, I, you know, it's very uh, interesting um, to me. I'm, I'm nervous, excited, uh, you know, a little annoyed that it's gone, gone this far, but it is just very interesting. And I don't want to, you know, talk the listeners ears off on my particular situation, but I want to talk about strikes in particular 
and uh, and I want to tie it in with like sort of uh, you know job losses, uh, which sounds like a weird thing to make, but a strike is uh, a period of time that you're choosing essentially not to get paid to make a statement and all of this uh, with your compatriots in the union and and all of that for better long term wages and pay. Uh, the power of the collective, but then there's times where you're just laid off of a job or somebody may be laid off of a job and they, they're in between jobs and they don't have, um, they're not making any money and the stress that that poses. And as somebody who works for a stable employer, I've never really had to deal with that stress. I consider myself really lucky to not have had to deal, wonder where my next paycheck is coming from. Or if like the kids will, you know, I'll have a, enough money to feed the kids next month or this sort of thing. And uh, it's funny, it's not like I'm going to be destitute or anything uh, tomorrow, but um, if we do go on strike, my wife and I did sort of an emergency audit of our finances and we're like, oh man, you know, this could be, you know, this could be a bit of a pinch for us and I'm not sure how long it can go. And, uh, you know, sometimes something has to happen to you for you to look in the mirror and be like, wow, um, this is, this is a, could be a very stressful situation for a lot of people. So I, I know I come off a, a little tone deaf and naive here. These like, oh, Crofton, uh, we worry about money all the time. I'm like, a lot of people do, for sure. I've been fortunate not to have to. And now that I do, I just recognize that, like, when doing a show like this, where we're talking about balancing uh, our geeky habits with our, our, our family and all of this, one thing, Ryan, that we seldomly talk about is money. And like, I'm not saying that we should be, we talk, you know, we should be talking every week about like, Hey, how much money you got? Are you in trouble or whatever? But it's more, it's more a matter of, of like, this is a constant pressure that people are dealing with. And like, they may hear something like Croft and Orion being like, Hey, you should go take your kids to the new Mario movie and blah, 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 buy them all sort of popcorn. And they'll be like, dude, I can barely afford to put food on our table. And, you know, I, I recognized that. I was thinking about the strike stuff and I was like, geez, there are probably people that do listen that are that might not be in the same financial situation as us, right? And and in which case, uh, um, you know, my bad, I guess. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I just want to say that we, I, I recognize that that everyone's got sort of like different realities, and and that uh, that that's one thing that just like I guess it's a mea culpa that I never thought about in previous episodes. The whole strike thing's making me be like, man, that's this is like a blind spot that I don't spend a lot of time in because I'm a fortunate person, um, and I, you know, but it's a, it's a spot where a lot of people spend a lot of time. So anyway, um, that's my thoughts on that, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. We don't often or at all really talk about money on the podcast. Uh, well, like you're so rich, you buried your own pool, <laughs> you know, like you're like, you know what? This pool, it's really nice, but it would look nicer if it was full of dirt. And then once it was full of dirt, you were like. I'm going to build another pool on top of it just because, and then you put up like an above ground pool on top of it. Yeah. No, that, I mean, you're yes. I mean, solid That's burn. a true story. It is a true story, but I, what I was going, <laughs> what I was going to say was, um, the fact that, uh, you know, you, you, you nailed it on the head in terms of like, when I, when I think of money, uh, and, and how, how we could talk about it. Like, I think for me personally, like it comes down to, you have to have a, a healthy relationship with money and you need to be able to communicate it with the, with the right folks. So the fact that you 
you know, chatted with Jess, sorted it out and, and, and figure that out between the two of you. Like, I don't, I don't know, like a lot of, a lot of different people's financial situations. Like I know people who like have split finances where they have individual bank accounts and we never did it that way. We would do like, the, we, we have one account that we all work within and we have conversations. And I, I always felt like that was the best way to do it. But again, like I don't, like if it works for you, that that's great. But like, I think for me, when it comes to finances, I think it's important to, it comes down to communication and understanding and, and uh, no secret bank accounts. I think that's kind of like the key three things there. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's, and, and then that's the other thing you mentioned going to the movies, like, um, like, you know, a lot of people who may not worry about money might be like, oh yeah, I went and saw this movie and we just, we paid the straight ticket cost and we bought a, a bunch of snacks and stuff. And like, I've never really approached going to the movies as one specific example as like a, you know, not a, not a need expense, but a want expense. And for me, it's like, I'm buying, like, I'm strategically like subscribing to like the subscription for the movie theater so that I don't have to pay for booking fees and I get discounted tickets and then Abby won a coupon. So I, we went to Costco and bought a, another coupon for Caden. So like it was discounted and tickets is I, it's never as simple as just like, we're going to go to the movies and we're just going to pay straight out of pocket. Like I'm always looking for that deal so that the one time I go to the movies, you're hustling. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I think like, that like for me when it comes to finance is about finding ways to save a bit of money. Like I remember, I don't even know if it was on this podcast. I don't want to throw craft under the bus, but you know, like price matching grocery stores. I've had people like laugh at our face that we do that, but oftentimes like you can save hundreds of dollars over the course of your month of grocery shopping. If you just happen to take a, not even a flyer apps devoted to the fact that you can just be like, Hey, it's half price at this store. Can you please price match it? And they and they do. And suddenly you've got, I don't know, think of an item like frozen pizzas for half price or something like that. Right, right, right. So like that's that's the thing when it comes down to finances, is about finding the right the right deal, you know, but but a comfortable deal. Like you talked about going to Mexico and you had the option between taking a what was probably gonna be a painful flight to, or paying extra money so that you could leave it at a, at a time that worked for everyone's schedules, and you ended up going with the the uncomfortable flight to save the money. And I think that was probably like the smart decision, right? To, to save right. some money. And I, I do like how your example involved frozen pizzas and mine involved <laughs> international jet setting. Look, I know I, what I'm trying to say is like, I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> you're what you're sometimes, you know, you got to be sure that you get, you buy the six pizza pockets instead of three and uh, you don't pizza pay pops, man. That's where it's at. Not pizza. You pockets. don't, you don't pay taxes cause it's not a snack size. So even though you're buying more, it's a better deal. <laughs> uh, and also if, uh, you know, if your Butler is, is picking you up in the Rolls Royce, he could just pick you up in the limo. And really, even though the car is longer, the gas usage is about the same. Um, so, you know, there's different ways, depending on if you're Ryan or Crofton, you know, you can do things differently. Uh, it's I'm not like, my fault uh, you went to Mexico, to be honest. I'm like, that's the example. <laughs> no, it's true. And, and now I'm paying for it right afterwards. Yeah, I'm it's like, like you buried a pool. It's your buried the pool moment, I think. Is yeah. We'll just keep and, bringing up the fact that you went to Mexico and uh, to I Mexico. got a frozen pizza for the kids. So it's 
true. They're equivalent. Yeah. Uh, let's do the dungeons. <laughs> yeah, let's get out of here. Let's go into the dungeons. Um, hey, you know what? Uh, I think this might be appropriate here. Book Watch 2023. So, Crofton, I think this might be the last time. I know we said last time would be the last time, but I wanted to. But you kept reading? I, well, yes. Not the same book. I've got a new book that I'm reading right now. Okay. Um, I'm reading, I, I think I mentioned I, I'm reading the Mistborn series, and uh, I, I'm still working on the first book, The Final Empire. It's a very, it's a very beefy book. It's a much heavier read than uh, the Thursday Murder Club. Um, <laughs> so I, it's taken me some time to get through it. I, I have finished part one of the book. It's 600 pages, so I'm about 150 pages in. And uh, I am really enjoying it. Uh, I did have an, an instance where another book recommendation, I think I mentioned it last episode, the follow-up book to The Martian by Andy Weir. I think it's um, Last Line of Defense or Last Last Hope or something. Anyways, it, it was I put it on hold, and then I got an email saying it was available. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to have to cancel that because I'm still like I'm still like only a third of the way through this book. Oh, it's Project Hail Mary is his newest book. So, yeah, I uh, I am I'm falling a bit behind again. So I'm trying to. Uh... Well, so here's the thing. Fantasy books. This is Brandon Sanderson, right? Yes. Yes, it is. So fantasy books are um, notoriously tough because um, you have to get sort of like the beyond just learning the characters um, and uh, the plot and and getting invested in their emotional journey, you're also having to learn the rules of the world, uh, which is a lot. So it makes that first 50, 100 pages of the books that are that much more difficult to get in. It, it's sort of like a quality over time type deal, though. Once you're in, then like they're often these epic sprawling series, and then you're really in, and you're like, oh, next one, next one, next one. I read this article recently. Uh, so Brandon Sanders, Brandon Sanderson is a not notoriously prolific fantasy writer. He's written a lot of books. I, I meant to read his, like I've read the first, you know, eight books of the wheel of time about five times, but I never finished the series. Uh, but um, because Robert Jordan died and then it was like, there was a long gap and then Brandon Sanderson finished that series. And I was like, man, I should go back and read the end of it. And they, supposedly he did a good job closing it out. Uh, but anyway, I'm not sure if you saw this, Ryan, it was in the news the other day. Um, and I guess Brandon's, uh, wired.com or wired did a profile of Brandon Sanderson. Did you see yeah, this? I, I heard of it. And honestly, all the dialogue around, uh around the article i was like i don't i don't think i want to read it it just seemed i did i don't i don't have the context but it seemed like it was not something i needed to i i read it uh well i read i read to a point because then at one point it's just it's it's actually painful to okay. read essentially it's an absolute slam job uh of an article on brandon sanderson but not in those not in like a while it does sort of slam his writing a little bit it's mostly slamming him for being boring 
and it, it's this, and it's kind of like this dude, this dude, Brandon Sanderson invites this wired writer into his house. It's rare, even though that he's one of the best selling authors in the world, it's, it's rare that he gets profiled in this way. He introduces this guy to his family and all of this. Uh, he takes him out to the restaurant. They're talking and all this. And then the article that comes out of it is just like insulting him, insulting his family. Like it's just, it's uncomfortable. And everybody rightly, shot all over the author and Brandon Sanderson, uh, you know, stepped forward and said like, look, leave this dude alone. He's just trying to, to make a name for himself. And he, he did it in an interesting way, but like, you know, chill out. <laughs> Brian was, Sanderson which, actually like came out and defended this guy. Yes. Yes. Huh. Essentially because, because he's in the end, a nice person. Yeah. Was he's a good guy. Like, okay, and, good. And, and, and was like, was just like, Hey, you know, like this guy sucks. All right. Whatever. Just, don't harass him. Like, don't, because his fans were going to town on this guy, right? Uh, but I was reading about, uh, you know, about Brand. It made me interested. It it did succeed in making me interested in Brandon Sanderson beyond uh, like what this guy wrote in his flame piece. Like, I started looking for different articles and different stuff about him. But one thing that's clear is that the Mistborn series, which I have not read, seems a lot of people are saying that it or you know drawing parallels between it and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like being it, it it's like a big, big fantasy, modern, interconnected type type thing goes down easy like the MCU. They say so. My feeling is if you're looking for something to follow up the Thursday Murder Club. That's it. This seems like the fantasy equivalent that would appeal to Ryan Murphy. Like, I know it's probably the first 150 pages might be tough, but it doesn't sound like it's a giant historical epic or whatever. It sounds like it's a it's a fun fantasy piece that will eventually get rolling and you'll be like all on board for and then be telling me to read 18 books of this series or whatever. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it is uh, I, now that I've finished part one, they've kind of set up not only the world and as you said, the rules, the rules are very um, complex in terms of there being like these uh, eight or ten medals or something that uh, that specific Mistborn can draw upon to, you know, have certain powers from uh, affecting people's emotions to um, pushing and pulling against, and there's a whole other set of rules against pushing and pulling against metals in the sense that would essentially allows a character to fly through, uh, through not flyable, you know, jump with style, I suppose. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, they, once they introduce the sort of mobility, they start to introduce like how these characters would fight and, you know, setting up the rebellion against, um, you know, what is essentially the, the empire, I guess, you know, within, within this series. So it's really interesting. And I mean, obviously uh, everyone I talked to about when they asked for recommendations was just saying like, it's a very easy recommendation because it is well-written. It goes down easy and the rules are set up very quickly and very clearly. And they are, they are s simple enough rules, but you know, deep enough that, it, that they're interesting every time they pull upon them. So you know, and the characters are really cool as well. Like I, I'm really digging the characters and and I think um once I get a bit further into part two, I'll be sticking with it a little bit more and uh I figure I have some I have some time before the third uh Thursday Murder Club book arrives uh at the library for me. So I think I'm about fifth in queue. So I've got I've got a bit more time. 
I just imagine like they're like you know you know you're reading your you're sitting in Ryan's famous reading chair which yes. we established, uh, and you're reading the Mistborn series and you're going through and then your phone goes off, ping on the and you look at it and you're like, huh, new and new Andy Weir is available and I'm like, well, I'm in the middle of this thing and then you hit snooze on it and you're like, I got it, I got to see it through. Then you read three more pages, then you hear ding, and then it's like new Thursday Murder Club book. You take your you take your Mistborn book, you just throw it out the window. You're like, well, I tried. See you later. <laughs> Off yeah. the car. Actually, I'm going to the library. Ryan, it's 9 p.m. It's closed. But um, but yeah. So uh, that that I I uh, haven't read the third book of it, and to my great shame have not read any book since the since the last time we did the show or started any books so uh i i need to take an example from book watch 2023 ryan murphy style and and get back on a book book watch 2023 all right well i guess that'll be back next episode then but you know why ryan i'll tell you why i'm glad you asked because of midnight suns <laughs> um oh more and, like and, midnight uh, funds Am I right? Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, Midnight Suns uh, has been a, a, a game. Shout I've been out to our s- writers, by the way, for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad they're going on strike. Uh, <laughs> but they're um, Midnight Suns. I've been playing on Steam Deck, mostly docked, but like also like in portable mode. It has been a good choice, except for the fact that it is a mega battery drain, which I think I mentioned last time. Like lasts an hour in portable, and then is pretty much you're you're done um feels like a game year but um <laughs> but i i did go to like jesse's dad's place uh over the easter break and like each evening like i'd be able to plug in my steam deck sit down like play the main game that i wanted to play and it is like a mix of a superhero game and a card like there's a card battling component there's exploration component ryan and i have talked about it a lot on the show the only difference here is that i've now finished it i finished it the night before last and I put in a lot of time on this game. Like I, you know, I think 70 hours to get to roll credits. And I remember seeing people like Ryan and my friend Bo and all that um, with the, with the time played on their steam accounts and me being like, I'm not touching that thing. That's too much time uh, for a game. But like, man, when I was in it, I was just like, I didn't want that game to end. And I honestly think Ryan, it's going to be a game in time that I'm going to look back fondly on and that will grow in my esteem. Uh, but I really, really um, enjoyed it. Uh, I'd like to see more games like that, not just Marvel. Like the Marvelness is neat, but even the way that it's put together, um, you know, it is is similar to those games like Dragon Age Inquisition or whatever. You know, those games where you have like all your party members that are in this base that in between missions or in between whatever, you're able to talk to them in advance story uh that's that's great they do a really great job of it there it just so happens that you know all the characters because of marvel stuff or most of them anyway and uh uh, but they could really do a good job of building up new characters um they could use that model that for that game i think um really like i could i could play tons of games 
like Midnight Sun. So anyway, it was really uh, was really good. I, I really, but uh, I know you and I talked about the DLC on this game, and for me, it's it's I it was pushing the limit at the end. There, I was like, you know, I think I'm done. I've done like so many hours of this uh, and it unlocks a new game plus and there's some stuff you can do after credits and all of this sort of thing. And I, I, I put it aside and was like, you know what? I think I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to. I know I don't need any more of this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it would be interesting. Let's take a couple minutes to talk about the ending and I'll mark uh, spoilers for folks at home. If, what if are you worried. talking about? We're in the middle of the episode. It doesn't it's matter. It's a 70-some hour game. People, People can spoiled. fast forward. I, I have to ask this because the ending... So the game sold... Um, I don't think it performed well enough where you automatically assume that there's a sequel like you do see with some games like God of War or Spider-Man or, or any Nintendo game. But... Um, I hope it gets a sequel because the ending yeah, is, too. is a giant um, tease for I mean, uh, what could come next. It, it's uh, uh, like, are you talking about the hand on the book type deal? Yeah, Doctor Doom, based the Fantastic oh, Four. I, uh, look, why am I even being? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was, no, I, this oh. is spoilers. People are going to be fine at home. All right, okay, if you say so. Um, but uh, yeah, the. Um, I just I just felt that that was the definition of a tease, like uh, in the sense that like uh, I don't care. Like I mean, I, ah. I, it's cool. No, I mean it's cool, but it's not like there's not um, there's no cliffhanger. It's just like oh, you know. It, it I thought it was a perfect end where there was an ending. It resolved the story, but then it left the potential of this cool other thing to expand further. Like it's the exact sort of if you look at the Marvel end credit scenes of the movies, a lot of them suck and are useless or uh, or jokes or whatever. Every once in a while, there's one that's you're really like, oh, that's setting up. I know who that is. It's setting up the future. Uh, because they don't even show you whose hand it is. Like you knew whose hand it was. I know most people are going to know uh, who know Marvel, but uh, you know I could see people having to Google or having to look look it up. But you're right; it's not a guaranteed sequel. Although I feel like the infrastructure to make this game is such that they could probably pump out another one relatively easily if they didn't like try to really enhance it from what it from what it is um maybe maybe it's even they turn uh, a full-fledged sequel into like a sizable dlc like a really big you know like a blizzard style new campaign dlc i could see i could see something along those lines but yeah um i i i'd be disappointed if there's nothing more that comes out of this game but the tease at the end i was like oh, okay i thought there was going to be more and when it was just that i was like all right, all right you know that yeah. i i'd yeah. be cool i'd be cool to see but to see what what happens next but it's just it's just like oh here's a new big bad and uh you know it, it, the, the 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 big contextual thing that has to continue is the mystical magical it exists in the mystical magical corner of the mcu uh, or the, the MCU, the Marvel Universe, and um, and you know Doctor Doom has played in that area a lot in the comics, and so it makes very much sense that he would be uh, the next you know the next big bad if that game turned out to be a massive hit, which my understanding is it was definitely not. Yeah, well, and you're right. Like I think Doctor Doom is a good fit for that magic um, that is magic requirement for Midnight Suns, but it also allows you to bring in 
uh, the Fantastic Four who are not necessarily like my understanding, not necessarily like as magic focused, similar to how Tony Stark is more of like a a science slash technical hero. Um, So, you know, and that's exciting. I think I think and they they kind of line it up well with the fact that if you were to produce a sequel, even fast tracked an expansion similar to like War of the Chosen with XCOM 2, yeah, you could fall right, right in line with the uh, Fantastic Four film coming out in 2025, right? So like uh, marketing synergies there for sure. Hey, just, um, just in case I missed it, because hmm. it seems odd that, and this will align with your Fantastic Four comment. It seems, is there a combo move for your characters where three of them hit the same guy? Like I, 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 unlock this thing that I've been, you know, throughout the game where you can, like, where you can do this combo between two characters will beat the heck out of, like, it's a big cutscene where one of them goes in and beats up and then the other one goes in and beats them up. It's like a, it's a combo move, but I never, I never unlocked three characters. Is that something that can be unlocked? Cause you are a team of three. It just makes basic sense that there would be a super three move. Does that, does that exist? Um, I don't think so. So that's stupid. Um, <laughs> because so they can add should, that perfect because, sequel idea. Because because when you were like Fantastic Four, I was like, huh, that I could already envision what the Fantastic Four members' uh, cards would be, like how they could how they could turn them into card um, card controlled characters, and then like as sequels make everything bigger, just the idea that there's four of them and that your party is three uh, in Midnight Suns would be like, oh, okay, the next game your party would be four in the spirit of Fantastic Four, but they would need to have some sort of combo move where they would all interact together. Uh, And then I was like, did they even have a combo move for three in Midnight Suns? Because that's the thing. In Midnight Suns, you get a party of like 12 people, but you can only bring three in a battle. Or and uh, it's always like I don't know about you, Ryan, but even at the end, I was like, oh, I don't know, who do I want here? Because they were all fun, um, you know. It was always tough choosing who I would take. Yeah, no, it's a fun game, and uh, thus ends the small spoiler section because I wanted to get Crofton's uh, take on the podcast. Um, uh, yeah, hopefully more Midnight Suns in the near future. More like Midnight Funs, right, Ryan? Yes, no, we we did that already. Now that the writers are on strike, we have to reuse. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we got to get used to reusing our uh, yeah our Sorry. material. No, that's fine. Um, hey, let's talk about the uh, Super Mario Brothers movie. And and here's the thing, Crofton. I believe off air we talked about you were going to be seeing it in the coming yep. week, right? Or yeah. soon. Look, Ryan, I I will say that like I've read a lot of reviews and different sure. things. I don't I don't think unless Bowser is like a serial killer that becomes the hero like and there's some weird twist like it's I'm pretty sure that I know how the movie will go. <laughs> I I have not seen the movie, but here's how it'll go. Mario and Luigi get pulled into this world. They're from yeah. the real world. They get pulled into the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh they get split up. Luigi Mario has to save Luigi, teams up with Princess Peach. Uh, Bowser's got Luigi. In the end, they save Luigi and beat Bowser, and everybody's happy. So uh, I, I'm going to say that that's, in, you know, 
but then the movie will be packed to the brim, I'm sure, with stuff that I will be like, wow, that's amazing. This is cool. This looks awesome. Or throwbacks and, and stuff like that. So I wouldn't worry about spoiling too, too much here. Uh, I think a lot of people have seen it opening weekend. Other people will see it. I don't feel like you can spoil it too bad for me. So. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Like, there's not a whole lot to be spoiled. Although I'll say this, the pre-release marketing set up a more traditional Bowser story of him just wanting to take over the Mushroom Kingdom. And uh, there's a bit of a, um, I wouldn't say like a twist on it, but there's a a, a take on that that is uh, similar to more recent uh, representations of, of Bowser in like Odyssey and, and stuff like that. So, you know, there's, there's some change there, but no, you're right. Like, and you missed the whole Donkey Kong subplot and whatnot, but that's fine. You haven't seen it yet. Um, the, the thing is, you're absolutely correct. It is a reference a minute. And uh, we did a pretty in-depth conversation on the Gamers Inn. Uh, and it comes down to the fact that the movie is uh, the movie is primarily aimed at kids. You know, right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a kid's film. Um, Clara is stoked to see this movie. Yeah. She's just turned five and she's been watching every single one of these trailers she's never watched trailers for a movie before she keeps asking me when this movie will be out she's dying to see it so uh i mean this is the first movie she's been wanting to see it i expect it to be a children's film yes yeah and your kids are gonna love it my kids loved it uh we had a great experience at the movies there was lots of people there it was very busy um but i'll say this like it's also for the you know the folks like you and i who have had mario in our lives uh forever you know like we're very tied to mario and nintendo and we we will appreciate the references that are in there you know we will understand all the music that's playing right now reminds me of x level in y game and the kids won't necessarily pick up on all of those references but they'll be you know mesmerized by the fact that mario is is walking around with you know with peach and trying to save luigi and all that fun stuff so like it it works on those two levels which i think are the levels that nintendo and illumination needed to hit right um i will say that uh when it comes to the voice acting um it it was weird for me that any of these characters were talking because like none of them are none of them ever talk in full sentences they are there it's just a bunch no. of one-liners um except except peach at the beginning of mario 64 that says that yes leads her letter right which which you know and i didn't think of that but you're right that was fine uh that worked in 64 but if you play sunshine that's where the we gave these characters lines of of dialogue it did not work and it was really creepy yeah it, it that's that's the thing right it's not it's not like um the last of us it, it, uh, it's it really is uh, you know uh, a gameplay focused like mario games are exciting because they are fun to play mm-hmm. they're not exciting because the story or the world or whatever they're excited because every time a new mario game comes out it pushes the envelope in in platforming um and does things in cool new ways often collect collect-a-thons and just different things so it will be very fun to see those characters in you know pop on the screen but like they there is a lot of room for them to 
tell whatever story they want to tell because really um you know aside from maybe the mario rpgs and stuff like that there's never really been big efforts in telling stories in the mainline mario games yeah and this is the thing like with with the story they tell in this movie i would say it is the most the probably the best mario story that's been told and i know like from a mainline Mario game, I haven't played all the RPG ones, but from a mainline Mario uh, storyline perspective, like the stories aren't really there. They're just present to get you from level to level. And when you look at this movie, it's like, okay, they set up a really interesting story here. Mario and Luigi are from Earth. They get sucked into the Mushroom Kingdom. They're separated. Bowser's the bad guy. Peach Peach and the Mushroom Kingdom are the good guys. Uh, Donkey Kong and the Kongs are in there as well. And they're like also good, but uh, keep to themselves. And they kind of set up this, they set up the world. You know, when you look at Mario in the video games, like the worlds just are there, you know, and the good guys are good to be good and the bad guys are bad to be bad. There's no real like, nuance or setup it's just it serves the gameplay so they had to kind of like craft this story around the worlds that very much do exist in the games but now they're a little more organized and uh put forward in a in a in a fashion that makes sense so they do a really good job of that and you know they they take peach remove her from the damsel in distress sort of you know, role, like they get rid of that, which is perfect. I mean, Luigi is still in distress. (laughs) He's been kidnapped. But honestly, like if you look at canonically, Luigi is constantly scared and always just getting into trouble. So he fits, he fits within like what happens in the film. Like he get he gets kidnapped, he gets separated and he's in a strange land and, and he gets held hostage alongside a lot of other uh, Mushroom Kingdom characters, uh, which we saw we saw in the trailers. So, you know, but Peach has a much more expanded role. Like, honestly, like this is as much her film as it is Mario's, right? She has just as much, if not more, um, I'd say just as much screen time as Mario. And uh, Toad is hilarious. Like in that, you know, going back to the voice acting, even though I said it's weird to hear any of these characters talking like they do a really good job of giving these characters voice. And, you know, we talked about when they announced Chris Pratt was going to be the voice. And then the first trailers came out and people weren't too happy with his voice. Like at the end of the day, I think they did what they had to do. They had to give these characters voice. And that meant having real, you know, having voice actors, you know, do the roles, not just give the one liners so that you can, jump and finish the level like they had to tell a story so they needed full lines of dialogue and while chris pratt's voice is not like what we imagined to hear from mario i think he did a fine job there were some moments where he slipped in and out of the voice which you know um it is what it is but honestly like i think for the most part it lands it's fine i was never on the chris pratt outrage train that felt really internet manufactured like people people jump jumping down on that the one thing i will say is that uh like this didn't strike me ever as a voice actor movie like um some of these animated films right now have have leaned heavily into celebrity voice actors and uh to the point that like it's really you know when you watch kung fu panda you're watching jack black as a giant panda 
uh, and he is like, you know, eating it up and all of that sort of thing. Uh, the movie is strongly, when you're watching Toy Story, uh, Buzz and Woody are absolutely, you know, crafted for Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. It's really a synergy of like, uh, you know, inside out. Uh, Amy Poehler is joy. It's just like that's, she's she's ele not only elevating the material, it's almost like it's made for her um, in that way. This movie never struck me. It's like, yes, we're going to have our celebrity voice actors who are going to do the best that they can, but people are here for the Mushroom Kingdom, for Mario, for the hijinks, um, and all of that. And the voice actors, as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot, everything's going to be fine. Uh, from what I can tell, you know, Jack Black is Bowser, just from the trailer. I was like, okay, I, I'm on board for that. And it looks like, you know, playing the villain in any movie, you get kind of like a meteor role, like a more fun, you can ham it up, especially in a kid's film. And uh, to me... Looking just from the trailers alone, I'm like, that guy's probably gonna kill it. So, uh, um, yeah. I, I hope that's I hope the trailers did offer a microcosm of what the movie ended up being for him, at least. Oh, yeah, no, Bowser's fantastic. Um, Anya Taylor Joy as Peach is also great. Uh, Keegan Michael Key as as Toad is aw like, obviously, you know, Toad has never been more interesting. You know, he is a very much an NPC character you know, uh, in, in the games. And, and here he's like comedic relief. He's the first person Mario talks to when he enters the, the mushroom kingdom and it's fantastic and he's hilarious. And he, he has a lot of great one-liners and, and, um, he also plays some pretty key roles in, in terms of moving the story along. And this is the other thing too. It is a 90 minute film which is perfect for kids because I find my kids yep. cannot last much longer than 90 minutes. Um, you know, uh, just watching a film that can't be paused. Uh, but it moves so quick. Like it is boom, 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 reference, reference, reference. We need to go do this thing. Okay, the next scene is them doing that thing. Like it just, it moves at a steady clip. Um, it does not sort of stay in one spot very long. Um, we're, it's constantly moving forward. It's, it is a simple film. It is a simple story. It all takes place within a couple of days, like in terms of storyline, like it's not, it doesn't meander. Is, and this is, this is like Ryan Sophie's choice here. Oh, great. Is the Super Mario Brothers movie as good, better, or worse than the Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Better. I, I think um, two things there. I have a much stronger affinity to Mario. Yeah. But um, I'm talking about the movie. I'm not no, talking no. about who, which one I, you like more. I know. Like as a character. Yeah. No, definitely the Mario movie. I mean, the Sonic films are fun. They're silly. But the Mario movie is the Mario movie. Like, I, I love Nintendo. I love Mario <laughs> okay, stuff. Right. <laughs> like, you want to you ask me what's the better film? Uh, like, look, the critics had it right. Like, you know, uh, the, from a critical perspective, I'm sure the Sonic film probably ranks higher because it has more of a story and character development and all that. The Mario movies is a standard illumination formula film with a bunch of Mario references. So I get the critical take on it. I did walk out and think like, it's kind of missing something. There's something about this film. I feel like it's missing and I can't quite tell. And I still can't tell if it's like 
just the general reception of the film. But I, but I think overall, the longer I'm away from it, the more I think like I really did really, really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I think my, I like, I get the impression. It's, it's funny. Cause like, you know, I love Mario, but, and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy this movie and I'm sure my kids are going to enjoy this movie. But the impression I get is that people like you, Ryan, as an adult, and, and we know it's a kid's movie. We already talked about that. Aren't going to watch this movie multiple times on your own of your own free will. Like you're not going to be like, oh, I'd like to watch that again. Like you would a Star Wars movie or an MCU uh. movie or something like that. You'll probably – like maybe you'd watch it. Your kids will want to see it. So you're going to see it a bunch of times. But like it's not a movie you're going to be like, hey, let's, let's, let's put on the Mario movie again. I don't know, like from a comfort food perspective, like I would probably watch the film on my own at least once. Like I would never say never. Like I. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm yeah, I, I, I get, I get like, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's just, I'm, I'm talking about in regular rotation is no, I don't have any movies in regular rotation. That's just not really how I roll. So no, no, that's fair. Uh, Speaking of regular rotation, I talked about, uh, you know, getting my arcade machine a while back, uh, which I was very excited about. Um, it's an At Legends arcade machine, which is sort of like a, it's a cabinet that, that you know, I think it's powered by Raspberry Pi in the end. It, you know, it provides, uh, you're playing main versions, like uh, emulated versions of these arcade games. But the reality is that, <coughs> excuse me, it's with full arcade controls, beautiful screen, you know, custom bezels that can be done, all of this sort of stuff feels great to play. I have a zillion arcade games now uh, in my office, and uh, it has allowed me to sort of like dip into, like uh, as much as I have tremendous nostalgia for certain arcade games, it al- it's allowed me to dip into um, arcade games in a way that I haven't previously, especially when you're not limited by quarters, you know, um, because let's face it, all arcade games were, are intended to relieve you of your pocket change. So it then becomes a question of which ones actually hold up as games and which ones are actually, you know, just designed to, to screw you over. And it is funny because I think I mentioned this last time, the games that I grew up most enjoying in the nineties were like the beat em up brawlers where like Ninja Turtles, the Simpsons, final fight, double dragon, whatever streets of rage, uh, Cadillacs and dinosaurs, Knights of the round. I could go on. Um, and those, those beat em up games, they work in the sense that you walk from one end to the other. They have sick graphics, especially for the time, like way better than you would have on your consoles at home. And, you know, you beat up these, you beat up guys, you lower their energy bar, you, you know, you, you jump, you kick, maybe you hit jump and kick at the same time and do a power move. You know, that was about, that was about it. And that, but uh, they were very cheap, notoriously cheap, especially bosses. And then you get beat down and then it would be like, continue 10, nine, eight, you know, and then you'd, put, you'd be like, oh, where's my quarter? Oh, God. And then you put it in and then you would continue. Uh, so really, the difficulty was was a lie. If you had like 10 bucks in quarters, you were going to finish the game. You could just keep putting quarters in and you could just, you know, like you would eventually get to the end of the game if you had no limit in your lives. Right. Um, and so when you own an arcade machine, all those games, you now have no limit in your life. So you can put self limits. You can be like, I'm going to try to see if I can get very far on 
I don't know, four quarters and then, and then go, but there's nothing to stop you from hitting the add a quarter button, like which is on the machine. So that makes those games kind of shitty almost immediately. Like you play them and they're fun. You know, you're beating up them. And, and there's so many of them. I go from one to the other and they're, they're like sprite switching. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I played this exact game a second ago, these beat em ups. So they didn't hold up that well. But what I found myself gravitating towards are two types of games. One is um, or OG arcade games, notably Pac-Man, which uh, Ryan... Pac-Man is a sweet game. Like it's like 40 years old and it is amazing still to this day. Like if you have a great arcade joystick and you're playing Pac-Man, it's sick. Like it it feels so good turning like going through the maze and all of this and then you get the thing and then the ghosts turn start flashing and then you you go and eat them and then you start setting setting scores and you try to beat your scores. Feels good. And then Miss Pac-Man made the whole formula much better. And now they have this Pac-Man Championship Edition. And that's what I've been playing a lot of, which is like, I think it came to Xbox Live Arcade in the 360 area era, but I'm playing this on an arcade cabinet and it is so fun. Like, it's just like, it just feels so good. Pac-Man like corners really well. And like, there's little sparks that shoot out and you're going around and you're trying to set the scores and you're avoiding the ghosts. And, and um, you got to pick up these fruits to make more dots appear because once you eat all the dots, like it's an endless maze in this version. Anyway, Pac-Man is a game that is old that people may be like, Pac-Man, what the heck? And there's a zillion versions of Pac-Man, like different versions. But the Championship Edition in particular, which you can get on consoles, but if you can get an arcade cabinet or something like this, it feels so good. Like I can play Pac-Man. I read these stories about Hugh Hefner, the founder of Playboy, who um, got a Pac-Man camp cabinet for uh, the Playboy Mansion and just could not get off it for like months. And I was like, oh, Hugh Hefner, if you ever knew video games were going to get so complicated, you would never need to to enjoy your Pac-Man machine. But I was like, you know what? He had something going there. The Pac-Man is pretty awesome. So uh, for those of you who have know about pac-man but have never really given the the pack attack the time of day uh ryan i would say play pac-man but i would say play pac-man with a joystick like like a big joystick like on a game pad or even the little ps4 stickies that's no that's no way to play pac-man that's no way to live ryan no way to live yeah um you know when i think of arcades and i think of pac-man and uh this you're gonna hate me for this but um my uncle owned a a bowling alley and they had a pac-man arcade machine but it wasn't the pac-man that we all know and love it was the side-scrolling pac-man adventure game which uh i remember playing a lot of uh uh from an arcade perspective so yeah probably terrible but you should play that you probably have it on your giant hard drive of arcade titles i wonder what it's called it's like pac-man adventure does that ring a bell Oh, there's, I did, I did today. I Googled like ranking the best Pac-Man games oh, wow. and past Pac-Man likes. Cause there's like 30 Pac-Man games on that machine. And I was like, wow, championship edition is so good. I played one that's like a 3d version where you can get powers and stuff and you can mm-hmm. even jump over walls. I don't know. Like I think championship edition might be the best, but like I, I I'm totally open to playing these other Pac-Mans um, there. It's really, really, uh, 
really fun and like I'm, you know, beating scores and there's even like little achievements in them. But like the reality is that comes from the score chasing generation uh, of the 80s, 70s, 80s, even early 90s. The games that were released in the arcade, when you set, when you put in a quarter to play Donkey Kong, what you're trying to do is set a high score to get on a leaderboard and then like set the, the high score for the machine. That's And that's what kept people coming back and putting quarters in. And so those games have held up really well because there's a purity of them that is really cool, like in, in, in Pac-Man. The games, like the fight, the beat-em-ups, not so much. But the other type of games that have held up really well are fighters, like Street Fighter 2, because they make money by having uh, one person against another. So somebody stays on and the other person loses their money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the game itself can be a pure game and make money because there's a lineup of people challenging someone or whatever. And so I've been playing uh, – so there's a lot of these one-on-one fighter games. Um, the the console doesn't ha- – the, the arcade cabinet doesn't have 3D, so I can't play some of the newer games, including Marvel vs. Capcom 2. But I can play Marvel vs. Capcom 1, which is what I've been playing a lot of as well as Spider-Man, obviously, and Ryu, Spider-Man Ryu team. And, uh, yeah, man, again, six buttons, arcade stick – feels so good switching between that and pac-man championship edition um i mean though for my arcade corner this week uh i give the shout out to pac-man championship edition and marvel versus capcom those games are super fun and they still hold up really well and are fun to play on an arcade stick between meetings at work and it's Pac Land is the game I was thinking about. So Pac Land, check it out. Is it good? It looks. Should I check it out? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it looks bad. <laughs> I just I'll remember it had the power pellets, and you when you got it, the the go like the enemy, like you had to avoid all the enemies. I can't remember if you could like jump on their head because it's very Mario esque. I think maybe you just had to avoid them, and a lot of like. All the enemies were avoidable, but then if you got the power pellet, they all turned into ghosts, and then you could eat them for 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 points. Um, it looks really weird. I'm looking weird. at screenshots. It looks like he's walking through a town with yep. legs. Yeah, he's got legs. Uh, this is the the era where they added. I mean, I didn't he always have legs on the box art, and then this is just him. It's now true. He has legs in the uh, game. Yeah, it's true. Man, 1984. Eh, it was still still pretty old. Um, yeah, they they were trying to milk Pac Man for all it was worth when Pac Man came, came out and was a sensation. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it is just like a, it feels really good to play, and it only requires a joystick. Like there's no buttons, right? Like you're just mm-hmm. like going through going through it and stuff. Um, but yeah, I have there's uh, I tried to limit myself. What are the two hot hotness for me on the arcade right now? It's those two. But I could I could throw five other games that I've been I've been playing. Uh, that 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 are of note, but the big thing I feel is that in my mind I've now delineated these generations, like the 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 score chasing, the uh, the the beat 'em up, the the sort of like quarter sucker beat 'em ups, and the um and the one v ones, you know, like uh, they're uh, the the one v ones are are good because they they don't try to screw you really. Other than ramping up the difficulty, like if you're playing against the computer, it gets ridiculous. When you get to the third fight, Marvel versus Capcom, like your first one, you're like, oh, yeah, I can beat this dude. 
Second one, you're like, oh, okay, this is getting tough. Third one, it's like pretty much full cheap computer is like trying to destroy you, you know. They're like, okay, this guy's got enough money for his quarter. Let's beat the hell out of him, you know. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, but yeah, good, uh, good, good stuff on the arcade machine. Very good. Very good. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I don't have a transit. I was going to say, speaking of arcades, let's change some diapers. That's more of like a gambling thing. Like if you were to gamble a lot, you'd probably wear adult diapers. But um, I assume you you don't have a bathroom in the shed, right? You just go inside. No, I, I don't. I don't. And it's been a, it's been a, 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 a learning period. Like my <laughs> bladder has been reduced during the pandemic and I've had to strengthen it since... Uh, the shed came into my life. Well, diapers, always an option to keep the diapers in the name. It's true. (laughs) They're like, yeah, our kids grew out of diapers, but we started wearing them. Yes. We aged rapidly. Um, Oh man, we got a lot here. Where do we start? I mean, like uh, we, so here's the thing. Let's, let's start with this one. So um, we've been, so we talked about this before and how Caden's had some struggles at school and, uh, I think he's just a kid that that gets very easily bored. And when he decides he's bored, he takes it out on his surroundings. Not in like a very, you know, not in a violent way, more of just in an annoying way. Uh, but when you're annoying on the bus or in school, it's disruptive. So it, it uh, obviously is a cause for concern. So we've, the way we've coped with that in the past is we try to find ways to, to keep him busy, to keep him engaged. Um, and uh his most recent fascination is knitting he got really into knitting and knitting's a tough one because when we started we all we had were a couple of knitting needles and some yarn and of course you can't take those on the bus you can't even have a ballpoint pen out on the bus or a pencil we went through that before on the podcast so you know the morning of we say and he doesn't do well with you know is something that challenges his his way of thinking so in his mind knitting is his his hobby of the week because he always picks up a new hobby and and sometimes he'll go back to old ones like he'll give them a break and come back like reading he kind of went back and forth on it but uh his current hobby is knitting and and we said to him and he was like all ready to go to school with it and we said buddy like 10 minutes before the bus comes you can't take your knitting needles on the bus and you can't take them to school either and he was not happy with that decision. And we kind of thought, well, the only way we, we can, he's got to get on the bus because he's got to go to school. So we, he kind of started the day off wrong. And I, I got a call from the vice principal and, and uh, we had a good chat. And um, it's not just the fact that Caden couldn't bring his, bring his uh, knitting needles on the bus. He's been struggling on the bus because, you know, I think he's, it's a, it's a compact situation. He's, he is sitting on the bus with a kid that he spends time with all day. Uh, so I think they're necessarily by the end of the day, they're just sick of each other. So a lot of factors ongoing, but you know, we were trying to find a way to kind of like with Caden, like I think he missed out on some of the social experiences due to the pandemic. Like he had three months of preschool and then nothing for, for two years so I think he he needed to play catch up a bit, and really his only social interactions were with his with his family. So um, we signed him up for karate. We uh, we found a <laughs> that's yeah. a good twist. Yeah, yeah. So knitting, he's still doing knitting, and um, we found a. I guess Ashley knew of these things, but they're like a 
they're like a handheld handheld uh, loom or whatever but it's like it's knitting to um make a specific like hats and beanies and stuff and it's like this circular thing with a bunch of pegs uh, around it and you kind of just do the pattern and then you work through like i said to him like i can set up a youtube video and just like look up how to knit a hat with this loom thing uh not the exact search and then it pulls up the video and he just watches it on repeat he uses his fingers you know moves the video back if he misses a step he made a hat in a weekend a toque or a beanie or whatever you want to call no it no way really yeah. yeah and he was like just over the moon about it so now he's just making hats and scarves and i don't know what we're gonna do with it now that it's like 30 degree weather out but uh yeah that's you know. crazy yeah like was, crazy cool he uh like he puts his mind to something and it really latches on like, and I think that's where karate came up as like an opportunity for, to build his social skills. So he'll be, he'll be not only having like a new authority to listen to, but also just being around kids that aren't in his classroom, aren't on his bus, aren't at the park at the local, local in our local area, aren't his sisters. And he he gets to do that aspect of it but it's also like this it's a long program you know karate is not something you learn in a weekend so it's something that he can keep working towards you know more goals you know more social opportunities and uh he's really been enjoying it now mind you it's the first occurrence for us where we're doing stuff during the week and actually when i signed him up for karate um Ashley had thought it was only one day a week. Turns out the reason it was a little more expensive is because it's up to four days a week. <laughs> so um, it's it's a bit it's not a co- big commitment, but there's the opportunity. It's like a gym membership. You can pay for the membership and you can go to these specific classes. But if you want, you can just go once a week. But really, to get your money's worth, you might as well go as much as possible especially if he's enjoying it and it's, it's just, it's not too far. And, um, but it is a bit of a drive. So it makes those days where like, I get off work, I come home, we have dinner and we leave right away. There's about a half hour window between me finishing work and, and getting, getting to karate. So it's, it's a, it's a bit of a rush, but, um, he's really enjoying it. And honestly, it's, it's nice to kind of break up, uh, break up the week a little bit. Um, but this is our first time sort of having something after after school to run the kids to because usually it's all summer stuff like uh, soccer and camps and stuff. It's separate from school. So it sounds a little bit like the story of either a superhero origin or a supervillain origin. Yeah, I'm He's not too first, sure yet what it is. <laughs> he first learned how to use needles and then he learned karate. Um, and, and then it's like, you know, next he's going to learn some other thing. He's going to put it all together, start wearing a costume, be known as like, he'll make his own costume. He'll knit his own costume. Right. And and then, and then he'll be out at night doing, doing karate, stabbing people with needles, being like the Mm. needler, you know, like, so anyway. This will be his. Yeah. This will be his catchphrase. Bye, I'm Emember. I'm Kaden. Bye, I'm Emember. I'm <laughs> if he has a secret identity, he will blow it really quick. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't even think about that. He'll just, he'll just stab the person, and, and, and the police will be taking be taking the statement, and, and they'll be like, "All he said while he was running away was bye, I'm your number one, Caden. I'm your number one, Caden.'" <laughs> like, uh huh. 
yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully it just, uh, you know, here's the thing. I, I When I was having the conversation with the vice principal on the phone, I, I, I did say to him, like, we signed him up for karate. And I thought, like, I wasn't sure how, how he would react, but he, he reacted very, very positively to it. Like he said, like, oh, that's a great program. <laughs> I wasn't sure. How he would I wasn't sure. I don't know. I yeah. don't often talk to vice principals or principals for that matter. Like even just talking to teachers, it was a whole new experience for me. Right. Like, cause. So let me get this straight, Mr. Murphy, uh, your son who has been disrupting our classes, you decided to send him to karate. Is this the case? You're like, yes. Yeah. I, Okay, well, interesting decision. Yeah. Uh, well, but, uh, it's it's yeah. interesting because, like, when we were trying to figure out where to send him, he had done summer camps there. And um, and the reason we're focused on Caden is because he is having these issues at school. Like, Abby, Abby's a little more structured. Like, she's had more – she's been able to develop her social skills – right from the get-go she hasn't she hasn't had her school disrupted she didn't do preschool but she went in straight into jk so i think like her timing worked out a lot better but for caden i think he did miss out on on some good solid like social skills learning and um so he we're focused on him but abby wants to do it as well so and we're and we're considering it um because i feel I said to Ashley, like, look, this is the moment where, like, we have to realize when we sign someone up for something, we have to pretty much just in our in the back of our minds figure we're we're timesing by three, right? Like, because just to be fair, you know, and obviously give them the option. Like, I'm not going to force all my kids to to do karate. I I, I really don't even have a preference. I just want them to. They want to do it and they enjoy it. They can do it if they don't enjoy it. They don't have to do it. It's, it's <laughs> I fine. like if you would. You're like, no, Abby, you're gonna do karate and you're gonna like it. Um, Gwen, yeah, no, uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going down that route. But but the thing is, like with with this specific karate club in town, it was the only one that kind of had this offering of like, you know, we work with, you know, all all types of kids, like whether they have, you know. Um, they need to develop their social skills or respect authority. And like Caden's not that bad. He just gets a little, he gets a little disruptive when, when he, when things aren't going his way. And I think like, it'll be, it, this'll be really good for him to just learn like, okay, like it's not all about me and my knitting needles. And, and, uh, but now he can knit some cool, you know, uh, toques for all the, all the kids at karate class. So I think that's, that'll be fun. That's that's I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry I hit you in the nuts here have a toque yeah um think but, of uh, the oh my gosh I didn't even tell you so he keeps asking there's the one of the classes is a sparring class but you can't go to it until the teacher clears you for a sparring class and Caden keeps asking well when when can I go on Fridays for Fight Club I'm like no 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 <laughs> sparring sparring it's a sparring class and he's like well what's the difference between a fight and a spar and I'm like. I don't know how to describe this without it sounding like it's just fighting. <laughs> one's practice and okay. one's real. But practice for what? Practice for uh, a fight. Fight <laughs> practice. <laughs> See, exactly. And try to explain that to like a smart ass kid who's like. Well, just say one's fight practice club and one's real fighting. Like yeah, you yeah. can't call it fight club because it's just practice. It's and practice. Instead of, instead of saying fight practice, which is really long, you can just say sparring. 
So there you go. Let me debate Caden. I, I I put him in his place. Yeah, you, um, you let him know that. But yeah, he, but like I said to him, like he'll be the number two Caden by the time I'm done. The, uh, the teacher needs to clear him for for sparring class, and I'm like, no rush. You know, just take your time. You'll get there because I just I. I would I would love to see him do a sparring class. I think that would be fun to watch, and I would probably be really nervous. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Sparring class, more like midnight funs. Am oh, I right? Man, you should go on strike. <laughs> uh, so I, I, Gwen and I haven't played a game for a while. It's been uh, almost like annoying to me because you know she's older now; she can choose whatever she wants to do. Her, her and mom will play Stardew Valley for all hours or whatever. Um, and uh, they play, uh, you know, she plays uh, games here and there. She also has other hobbies that she does. Now, you know, we had a big stretch. People were saying to me early on, like, oh, it seems like you're getting Gwen into games early. Man, am I really glad I did? Because we had a good run there before when she was young and just wanted to watch and input. And, like, we would pass the controller a little bit. But now that she's eight, it's like, you know, she wants to do her own thing for the most part. Um, so we were in Best Buy the other day, and uh, there was a demo on the Switch of Kirby Return to Dreamland, and um, which is like one of Nintendo's new newer releases. And uh, she, she was into that. And Jess wanted to buy it for her uh, and was like, oh, you should. She's look how she's really into it. She, it's really it's really fun and look, it's all cute. Let, let's get, let's get it. And I was like, I was like, wait, 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 wait. Because this Kirby Return to Dreamland, for those who don't know, um, is a remake of uh, a, an older game. I think from the Wii. Or, um, uh, yeah, it would have been the Wii. Um, and uh, it was, it, and there is a new Kirby. Uh, like, it, it, yes, it came out this year, but there's a new Kirby game to, made for the Switch called Kirby in the Forgotten Land. And both of them are like 80 bucks Canadian. Like you don't get some sort of Kirby discount because it's a remade Wii game that is like whatever. It's full on price. So I was like, look, if we're paying $80 for a Kirby game, let's get the one that was designed for the Switch. And so I had to like negotiate with Gwen and, and Jess because she, Gwen, the demo she was playing in Best Buy, and this is the power of demos, was for this game that she wanted. And I'm like, look, trust me, this other game, and I'm showing her the box. So finally – I won. Kudos to me. Like you do. Uh, uh, like, like I do. I think Jess is like, look, Grofton doesn't know many things about many things. But one thing he does know is video games. Uh, so um, so we got Kirby in the Forgotten Land. I never really played a Kirby game that that much. I heard that this was a good one designed kind of by the, the Mario Odyssey team. And who, baby, it is really good. Like, what a surprise. I did not expect to enjoy it. As much as I did, I would kind of like align it a little bit to Yoshi's Crafted World, which also caught me a little bit by surprise in that it's kind of like more focused on kids, but also like has this like you can replay the level and there's hidden stuff that's harder to get and or that requires puzzle solving or whatever, whatever. Uh, and it is, uh, yeah, it's really, really fun in that in that way. The other thing is that you can play the entire game co-op. Now, the co-op kind of blows, but it doesn't blow as much as some of the other Nintendo. Nintendo tries to shoehorn co-op into like a lot of their games, and I really appreciate it because it allows you to play with your kid, and I love that. But, like, um, you know, 
my friend uh, bought a Switch recently and played uh, Mary, uh, Luigi's Mansion through by based on my recommendation with his son, and they had a blast. And one of the reasons they had a blast is because it is absolute perfect co-op. Like you get two versions of Luigi and your kid, it, you know, because uh, the camera angle stays fixed in that game, uh, you know, you don't have to really worry about dragging one character one way or another. Uh, Gooigi can go into the backpack. Like there's just so much that's so well thought out in the way that that plays. But then they played Mario Odyssey next. And in that game, you play as Mario and as Mario's hat and let's place it playing as Mario's hat kind of blows. Like it's like not really nearly as good as playing as Mario. Um, it's, it's really like easy mode for kids. I, I don't even know how well it works, works out. Um, but he ended up, my friend ended up having to play the hat and, and you know, uh, that's not super fun for, for adults. Um, the way that Kirby works in the Forgotten Land, is that you play, the first player plays Kirby and gets to suck up things and take their powers and do all sorts of amazing things. And the second player plays is a Waddle D, the mm -hmm. people that Kirby is trying to save and has a spear and can throw his spear and stab with his spear and pretty much do nothing else. Uh, and when Kirby gets to the end of the screen if the waddle d isn't close he gets dragged right to kirby like you know like turns into a little little ball of light and gets yanked to him and um and so gwen is kirby it's gone are the days where i would be kirby gwen is kirby and i'm the waddle d and i'm getting yanked around uh, behind her and i'm like gwen come back here there's a secret and she's like no i'm doing this ah i get yanked around so it's not super bad because kirby um the camera is a little bit like luigi's mansion it shows these fairly large um areas it's not like mario where it's fixed behind your back and your 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 double joysticking and whatever so it works better. It's much better of a co-op game than a lot of other games I've played. And I'm enjoying playing it with Gwen, going through it level by level. I wish that I was a Kirby too, and I got to have the powers and do all the cool things. But um, she's really enjoying it. And uh, it's fun because you can go back and play through the levels and get extra uh, Waddle Dees, like extra stars and, and moons in Mario Odyssey. It's the same idea. They're hidden. And so when we finish a level, the rule is that I have to play the levels with Gwen. She wants me to. But if I'm not available to play and she wants to play, she'll just go back to old levels we've beaten and tried to find secrets and stuff like that. And um, it it's really awesome. So, yeah, that game is really great. And the other thing, pivoting between it and Midnight Suns on the Steam Deck, more like Midnight Funs, am, am mm. I right? Um, so is it – I forget – how smooth the switch is it is so smooth like in games that are natively made for it because midnight suns is annoying it's like a it's a huge battery battery drain but you know you start it and it asks you to log into some 2k account or some bs and then you go in and then you gotta load up this area and then you got a mission and you gotta load and it's this and that and i mean it's fine. There's bugs. There's hard crashes from time to time. I love the game. Don't get me wrong. I spent 70 plus hours in it. 
but you know it's a little janky right and uh, but kirby is so smooth and so anyway it just reminds me the wonders of design like the switch and nintendo's ability to design these games it makes me super excited playing this and seeing the nintendo magic in action again and i haven't for a while on a new game makes me super stoked for the new zelda um and uh, I'm I'm really really uh, looking forward to that. But yeah, the Switch is still a sweet piece of piece of hard hardware. I really I really uh, still enjoy using it. I do hope that when Nintendo eventually comes up with a successor for it, it is Switch Two that allows you to play all your existing Switch games and now has new Switch games. Knowing Nintendo, it will not be that at all. It will be like the the Bobbly Gook McGinnigluck or something like that. And it will it will be you will play it upside down and it will have smells that come out of the thing for each world and none of the games will be backwards compatible. But uh but yeah we'll we will we will see I'm hopeful. Yeah, I think uh, I think when it comes to the follow up to the switch, I think no matter what you've seen Nintendo kind of merge their development teams with their handheld and uh, console teams have become one for the switch. And that was something they started to do before the switch even launched in preparation for the switch. And I think at the time they had sort of built it as like efficiencies. But really now we know it's like because they're developing for one system um i i think i think going forward like nintendo has to continue down that trend of like we need something that is both handheld and and console based but whether or not uh, and that is the core function of the switch so hopefully from a backwards compatible standpoint it, it will still play switch games i think that's i think someone had kind of connected the dots on how nintendo does backwards compatibility and ever since they shifted to optical discs with gamecube it's always been you know every other system is backwards compatible with the last so like the gamecube wasn't backwards compatible but the wii was backwards compatible then the wii u is backwards compatible i guess the switch was the first where they broke the line again so hopefully 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 because again you're right like i mean um, we had this conversation, I think, in our event ads chat about uh, repeat. Well, you brought it up on the show as well, like repeat viewings for kids. Like, and, and from a video game perspective, I think Travis was actually looking at Kirby games for his kids. And the idea of buying like an $80 game for like a 10 hour experience for you and I, that's like a hard sell. But for a kid, it's like, of course, I'll play these levels of Kirby more than once, you know? Um, it's true. I should point out for this, this $80 Kirby game, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. And just to be clear, I don't know what the hell is going on with Kirby here, but there's like a zillion Kirby games. And like, it, it's even like you go into Kirby's house in Kirby in the Forgotten Land and there's like a brochure and you can look at it and it lists all his games for the past, like, I don't know, 10 years or something. And I'm like, it. I don't even know how you keep all this straight. Like, and I guess you could say the same about any series, but I'm like Kirby star allies, Kirby planet, Robotnik, Kirby return to dreamland. Like what is the difference between all these goddamn games? Like you need a master's in Kirbyology to decipher it all. But I was like, I, I just want to point out Kirby and the forgotten land. That is the one that is the new kind of one for switch made in an open kind of world. Um, and it is a long game. Like it says that we're, 
you know, Gwen and I are 32% through it. Uh, there's all these bonus things. We're, we're only on like the fourth world or something. It, it, there's a lot to it. I, it's totally worth the $80 if you're, especially if you have a kid, like eight, eight years old. I, I can't speak for other Kirby's because I know some of them are like straight up adaptations of Game Boy games. So you got to be careful on which ones you get. But Kirby in the Forgotten Land, that's the good one. Get that one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the one that uh, that stands out. It is the newest and the greatest. Um, you hear me, Travis? The Forgotten Land. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, we're going to make him listen to the podcast so that he knows which one to buy. And if he buys the other one before he listens, that's uh, writer strike. Um, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the other stuff that kind of went over. I mean, um, we had obviously the Easter long weekend. But uh, Isabel turned three, which made Clara turned five. I win. Yes, that's true. You are ahead. Uh, but I mean, is it, a, <laughs> is it a race? I don't know. It's it's not a race. Isabel's still the youngest. She's still she she'll gets, always like, be the youngest, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I don't plan yeah. on having more kids. <laughs> I don't know that's, if you're done or not. But no, I I'm I think we're pretty pretty done. It would be now five year gap between Clara and the next one. Actually, like I mean six years by the time we have another kid but uh but yeah it is it is funny i forget their birthdays are so close yeah actually i didn't realize they i guess they're within the week uh or or a couple weeks at least i i realize isabel's end of march so and i, I think yours is oh, early april yeah 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 uh Clara, clara's is the 11th yeah so of april i always so. joked uh I, I, a really bad dad joke isabel was born on on March 31st. And I, I, when I texted my boss, to let him know I wasn't going to be in. I was like, yeah, we got to end a fiscal baby. And, um, no one laughed. And, uh, except for you just now, which I appreciate. Um, <laughs> but I am laughing because it's bad. Yes. Yeah, of course. Traditional. This is why, this is why you're the writer. Um, did you tell them that the writers were on strike? I did not. So, no, yeah. uh, they wouldn't have got that joke too, oh, too early. Sure. Or too close to too close to the um, the the Lost writer strike kind of ruined that season of Lost, right? Do you remember that? That's true. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh. Yeah. So Isabel turned three. We had a very busy couple weekends with birthday uh, festivities. We went into Toronto. Um. Not to the Toronto Zoo, Crofton. I thought maybe you thought maybe the listeners thought I was going to say we went back to the Toronto Zoo. But we went to uh, Ripley's Aquarium. We took the GO train. We drove to Oshawa. Uh, the kids were super stoked to go on the GO train. And because there wasn't a Blue Jays game going on, it was not busy. So we had the whole car to ourselves. Um, and uh, Isabel was just over the moon, first time on the train uh, and first time going to the aquarium. And funny enough, the last time we were at Ripley's Aquarium in Toronto, um, it was... Uh, it was like right before everything shut down due to COVID. It was like March, 2020, early March, 2020. And um, I remember thinking like, you know, oh man, Ripley's Aquarium was so busy this time around. And I and I, th I was like, I remember last time we went, it wasn't busy. It's like, yeah, it's probably because a lot of people weren't going to the aquarium in Toronto um, because there was this, well, COVID was, I think COVID was, uh, it was definitely people knew of it. I don't think it had, really hit Canada at that point, but I think people were, were definitely wary and for good reason. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had a great time at the aquarium. It was very busy. 
uh isabel's favorite thing was the octopus she literally sat at the edge of like the octopus tank and just like stared up at it you'd think like she was just taking the view all in having a great time and um yeah and we had dinners and visits and of course we went to the mario movie i think the easter long weekend it was it was a lot we had something on every day it was the aquarium then it was i went back to oshawa to visit my nana uh and then we had dinner and obviously Easter egg hunt on Sunday morning, which, you know, lots of chocolate, lots of chocolate. Um, and then Monday, Ashley had to work. So I put Isabel in daycare and and we went to the Mario movie. I did not take Isabel to the movies. I think she she was she wanted to see it. But I just I I I can barely handle two kids in the theater by myself. Uh, so I could not imagine doing three on my yeah, own. Yeah, it might have been pushing it for sure. Yeah. I, I respect that. Because I wanted to enjoy it. Like, look, I, I look, it's yeah. a kid's movie. The kids yeah. definitely need to have fun. But I also right. wanted to enjoy the film, uh, you know? Yeah. You sent all three of them to daycare, didn't you? Uh, that would have been probably a dick move. But Caden's yeah, yeah. like, Dad, I want to see it too. You're like, Caden, you got to promise to shut up and knit the whole damn time. All right? I will say this. I was... Um, I will say this. Like, the kids don't drink pop. They We don't have pop. We don't give pop to the kids. So when we went to the movies, they had the kids combo, which was um, a drink, popcorn and a treat. And I said they could pick whatever they wanted, like for the drink that could be, you know, root beer or Coke or whatever. And to the point where, like, they didn't know what to pick because they don't know what kinds of pop there are. So Abby had chose um, root beer. And the whole time in the theater, uh, I asked her, like, how how was your drink at the end of it? It was spicy. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That's uh, one way to describe root beer. And, um, but I was kind of like, I was a little nervous because they don't drink pop. And obviously pop tastes pretty good, especially when you've yeah. never had it before. And I was like, man, you guys just do not chug your pop. So Caden was really good. He, he knew like if he drank too much, he would have to go to the bathroom. And I did explain to them, if you have to go to the bathroom, we all have to get up and leave. And the theater was packed. So that wouldn't have been fun either uh, to leave our seats and come back. But um Abby, who she swears like she she no, I can hold it. That's the trick. You just hold it. I'm like, yeah, but if you chug your entire pop in the first 20 minutes of the film, we're all going to have to get up and go to the bathroom. And uh, every time she'd take a sip of her pop, I'd look over at her and she'd be like, she'd just I mean, like, what? No, like, it's fine. I'm having a drink. And I was like, no, please don't drink too much, because then it is going to be a hassle to go to the bathroom. Uh but she was good. We did it. We made it through the whole thing. We, oh, nice. We, we watched through the credits. Uh, both my kids uh, take after their mother. Uh, hate the fact that we waited through the credits. They thought that was the most boring thing ever. Um, but yeah, there's a post credits. There's two post credit scenes, Crofton. <laughs> but you can Google them uh, after the first. Don't if you really can't stay through the credits, which I totally understand. You can Google the last one. Well, like my kids are a bit older, but I, you know, Clara's never been to see a movie in theaters because she's five and um, just turned five. And mm-hmm. um, she, uh, you know, the the COVID pandemic hit in 2019 or 2020 rather. Um, and, you know, she was pretty young uh, at that time and I was not taking her to movies, you know, she, uh, so she's never been to a movie. Uh, we, Gwen, uh, we went to see Frozen 2 
before the pandemic. And I think we saw another movie, but Gwen hasn't been a lot of times to the movie theater. So we're like really legitimately as a family stoked to go see this movie. And I think that, you know, people are saying like, oh, how is this movie making so much money? I think the timing is right here. There haven't been that many family movies. The Puss in Boots movie was really good, but it was really under advertised, appreciated, maybe maybe um, not the right property, not the right timing. But even since then, there hasn't really been – there's normally always a kid's movie in theaters. There hasn't been for a while. People want to take their kids to a movie, a movie that like that they really enjoy and stuff. Um, and I, I think the timing of this film is just like – out, out of this world like i think you could have had i'm not saying that they would have all made as much money as mario but it is the top grossing animated film uh, opening weekend of all time and i feel like that that had it been another animated film that was like pretty popular for kids i think that it would have made a lot of money too because um people are ready and mm -hmm. and i know that i know that we're really ready and we're really stoked to go one thing i'll be curious about your kids ryan is that they're used to watching disney plus or netflix or whatever where they can just be like play it again daddy play it again and uh you know if they enjoyed the film like the idea of being like we want to see it again. We want to see it right now. You know, kids love watching shit over and over. Like, and I know you'll be like, well, it's going to come to streaming stuff eventually, but like kids aren't patient. <laughs> like, no, are not. they going to, are they, have they, I guess, have they asked already to go back and see it a second time or like, uh, I think like they, so they haven't asked uh, to go see it in theaters, but they are definitely like stoked to watch it again. And I, and I did promise them like, Hey, like when, it, when we, the second we can watch it at home, we will set up a movie night. The whole family will 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 put a pizza in the oven. We'll have uh, we'll, we'll we'll do some pizza night. We'll watch the movie downstairs and just have a frozen a pizza. Time. Frozen pizza on yeah. sale. Can't can't spend too much money on pizza. No, um, yeah, frozen pizza probably. That's that's our go to. Uh, I you know what I find? Look, like I find about getting pizza. I have the worst luck with ordering pizza, and I'll say this. Every time I order pizza, it is a crapshoot. It's like sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not great. And that's the thing. Like there's such a good thing. There's such thing as good pizza. I don't think there's anything there. Like I don't think anyone can really truly make bad pizza unless they like actually try to fail. But like sometimes it's just it's not it's not good pizza, you know, and it's just like, oh, man, I spent money on this and it's not good the kids aren't eating it and i'm gonna feel guilty if i throw out the rest and ah just anyways we will get a frozen pizza it's more consistent all right i mean you clearly live in peterborough i mean i don't yeah, know yeah well to we can't, all can't live in the in the capital of our country the, and have the, the best pizza on hand the the best pizza in the world uh well, it was funny my my brother my brother and i were talking about the, the other day about how like canadian some of the best pizza we've ever had is in canada and uh like you know nick we've both been to a lot of hoity-toity countries because we're true you went to mexico last week yeah, right because because we're jet we're jet setters um and so uh uh yeah it was uh but but uh pizza for some reason and i think it's like a certain style of deep deep dish pizza thick cheese thick crust that i personally like and uh you know the heartburn special if you will 
and there's a lot of that around Ottawa and it's it's pretty pretty good but it has gotten pretty expensive I remember when pizza was cheap um but uh but yeah not not so anymore i have converted my children to kind of enjoying pizza though so maybe all this talk of pizza will force me or convince me to get pizza for tomorrow night's supper mm, yeah we are having pizza tomorrow but uh it's uh, it's frozen pizza so frozen pizza oh, uh, solidarity ryan that's what we say in our strike strike uh strike voting uh, so i'd be eating pizza in solidarity with you right but you're gonna order in right and you're probably gonna get it delivered and you're gonna make sure they cut it for you and for sure serve and, it. Uh, and probably you know <laughs> by by limousine or whatever. oh yeah uh, you, you gotta know. get the limousine i can you know what I'll, I'll probably do uber pickup but get my butler to pick it up oh my you know? god so it's like I don't I don't have to pay the deli- you know the deli- I'm I'm being money co- conscious because I don't have to pay the delivery fees or tip the driver, you know. I'm surprised you aren't like flying it in from uh, from New York or something. <laughs> from, from flying it in from Chicago deep dish. That's the only way. Uh, but no. Yeah, I follow that guy on Instagram. Um, yeah, the pizza guy, the guy who always talks about pizza. So. That's that's about as close it gets. But uh, yeah, so you're going to get uh, premium pizza and I'm going to thaw pizza in the sink. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like we've had a busy couple weeks, but I think it might be time to uh, hang up the hat, the, the hand knit toque that we will be using to warm our heads. That's the right. Years. So uh, Crofton, thank you so much for being here on the show, coming back from Mexico. I know you had a great time um and uh yeah hopefully the strike goes well hopefully you're back and um i don't have to write all the jokes because i don't think that'll go over very well it'll it'll go over like midnight funds am i right ryan mm, yep so go to tgistudios.com slash dad if you want to uh find more of our great work uh i i i I don't know how to how to say uh, midnight funds into this one, but um, if you are looking for some midnight funds, you can email the show dad at tgistudios.com. Yeah, I got there and uh, we'll read your email on the show. It could even be about the fact that uh, maybe you have a new joke for us for our next episode uh, or pun or what have you. But uh, if you're on Twitter, if you're still on Twitter and Twitter still exists when you're listening to this, you can find uh, Crofton at Crofton Steers. Uh, you can find me at R. Murphy. And the show at DND Cast. That is going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have yourselves a great couple weeks, and we'll see you later on in April. Bye, everybody. Kirby in the Forgotten Land, Travis. Get it together. He's he's got it. He he's got it.